Welcome to another episode of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This is episode 68 with David Hunter and Bridget Fithian. Uh, David is a talented landscape photographer and photo naturalist from Fresno, California, and he is partnered up with a nonprofit near him called the Sierra Foothill Conservancy. Uh, Bridget Fithian is the executive director of the Conservancy, and so they joined me on the podcast to talk about their collaboration and uh, what it means for David in terms of fulfilling his goals as a uh, nature photographer and what it means to Bridget uh, to help promote the work that the Conservancy is doing. We also talked about how other photographers like you, listeners, can do something similar. Thanks for everyone who are supporting the podcast over on Patreon. It's really awesome to see the support and the feedback that I'm getting there. So if you haven't, uh, please check it out. It's uh, patreon.com slash f-stop and listen. David Hunter and Bridget Fithian, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me on f-stop. Collaborate and listen. Thank you for having us. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I was really excited. when uh, David reached out to me for this idea for this for this podcast episode, because it's a little bit it's a little bit different than what we normally do on the podcast, but it covers a lot of um, a mutual territory that I think our listeners will appreciate. So um, I know David is a landscape photographer, and uh, Bridget, you are the executive director of the Sierra Foothills Conservancy in Mariposa, California. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we are um, Sierra Foothill Conservancy, and we're our primary office is in Mariposa, and then we also have an office in Prather, which is eastern Fresno County, and we serve Mariposa, Madera, Fresno, and um, eastern Merced counties. And uh, what what um, what is the gist of the of what you guys do in your uh, nonprofit? Yeah, so Sierra Foothill Conservancy is a land trust, and so the the primary goal of our organization is to conserve land in the central Sierra geography that we serve and to connect people to those lands. And so since 1996, we have been an incorporated 501c3 organization and uh, a membership-based land trust. And so we have members that support the organization um, who are mostly based in our local communities throughout our our four-county service region. And we do projects that span from uh, fee title acquisitions. So those are properties that we own and manage And then we also do partnerships with other public agencies where we'll help establish um, conservation of properties that say, uh, you know, are are desired to become part of a park or, um, you know, if that might be a federal land, it might be a county based project. And then the, the third way that we can serve land is through conservation easements. And those are partnerships with private landowners where that landowner retains the ownership of the land, but Sierra Foothill Conservancy holds that conservation easement over the property that ensures that it will stay intact and in its natural state forever. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit familiar with um, land trusts. Um, I'm a little bit familiar with it. Um, and my understanding is that landowners, when they kind of, Enter in those agreements, they get like a like a tax like a tax break of some kind usually. Right. So there's there's two financial benefits that um, landowners can receive. So if they donate their property or their conservation easement, then they're eligible for charitable tax deduction. Cool. And it for conservation easements, it's actually enhanced beyond a typical. Um, a tax benefit. So there's, it's a greater incentive than if you just like made a monetary donation to, um, you know, the SPCA or something like that. If you donate a conservation easement, there's actually a, a greater tax benefit for the landowner. And then the other financial incentive is that we can actually purchase 
conservation easements and lands from those landowners. So basically they come to us and they say, we want to conserve our land. And that might mean, you know, selling it or donating it, or it might mean um, retaining that ownership and completing that through a donation or sale of a conservation easement. And then our organization works with the landowner to help them to realize their goals and vision for their property and also fit that in the context of our goals as an organization to uh, preserve connected corridors of protected lands. Mm. So that's our vision is to try to establish these corridors from the Sierra Crest to the grasslands that are continuous landscapes of conserved properties. And um, from a, I guess, uh, wildlife perspective, I'm guessing that there's some benefits in terms of migration patterns and things like that. Not exactly. So, uh, so that's one of the focuses of our work is to conserve corridors that are used for the migration of species. So, um, a lot of the the deer herds, for instance, throughout the region, they'll be in the lower elevations in the winter seasons, and then they'll migrate up to uh, the higher elevations in the summers. And so we're trying to keep their migration corridors intact and um, and also improve the habitat for them too. So one of our recent projects, we we have a, a property that's um, in Hazlitt Basin, and that's in Fresno County. And the the Kings River um, deer herd utilizes the property for migration corridor, but also for um, for you know different parts of their their life cycle, including uh, raising their young, and so we're actually doing a project right now that the California Deer Association is helping to fund, where we're improving the habitat so that it will support the deer herd's um, use of that property. And so not only are we conserving the land, but we're also trying to enhance it for the various species that that use the properties. Awesome. Well. That's great, um, and we'll we'll get we'll get a little bit more into that um, in more detail later in the podcast. But I wanted to uh, give David the opportunity to maybe just introduce himself. And uh, you know, David's a landscape photographer. He's got some really fantastic work, and um, I know he's he's partnered with with you guys um, at the Conservancy and with other uh, similar nonprofits. And so I was just hoping that maybe David could talk a little bit about himself. And um, why he um, reached out to me to to kind of set this whole podcast episode up? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I've been been photographing since I was uh, about a senior in high school. I actually started with film and uh, worked for a few years as a photojournalist, um, and then I moved to Fresno in about um, two thousand and. Um, I start going into education. Um, I'm actually, uh, I like to say I moonlight as an elementary school teacher. My main passion being photography. Um, but I've been listening to your podcast for a while, Matt, and been really enjoying it. And hearing your message of conservation, I just kind of started clicking in me. It's like there's a lot of photographers I feel that are like, like me and also like you, where we have day jobs and we're not making our money off a gallery or things like that. And, but at the same time, we're passionate about photography. We're passionate about, um, you know, showing people um, the images and, and getting out in nature. So I was trying to think, well, how could other photographers who are in similar situations that I'm sure are listening to this podcast, do something similar. And then it occurred to me about my partnership with Bridget and the Foothill Conservancy um, that we had. And it's like, you know, this would be a really cool idea if, if I could let more people know about it. And it just kind of linked in with your podcast. And it's like, here's the perfect medium. And I was really um, happy to know that you're open to that. Yeah, absolutely. So Bridget, um, Given what uh, David's just said, I'm curious, um, from your perspective at the Conservancy, 
how do you think um, other photographers can help um, play a positive role in the work that uh, you and other similar nonprofits are doing across the country? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's been so great to to partner with David and he's, I feel like he's a, he's a teacher through his, and an educator through his photography as well as through his profession. And I think that, you know, that intersection of having the desire to, you know, share with other people about the, you know, the importance of the lands that are being conserved and to try to create a avenue for people to connect with these lands in through a different medium, essentially. So, you know, through photography, we're able to bring these special moments and these special places um, right to the people. So whether that's, you know, real time on their computers when they're on Facebook and, you know, they're seeing these images being posted or when we're printing them and, you know, selling them for fundraising efforts, that they can actually take these special moments and these special places right into their homes and, you know, make it part of their day-to-day lives. So it's just, you know, it's a really great medium for for having that opportunity to, to get people to have these experiences that they might not otherwise have. And, you know, David would be like, is it okay if I, you know, go out to the McKenzie and hike up to the top of the table, which is like three and a half miles before sunrise (laughs) so that I can capture that perfect image of, you know, the sun rising over the table. And, and we would be like, yes, oh my gosh. And he's hiking up there with his headlamp on so dedicated. And, you know, that type of experience is something that not many people get Mm -hmm. to have. And by capturing it through photography and through, you know, David's lens and his eye, we're able to, you know, extend that experience to so many more people and, and get them to, to have that moment of seeing the sunrise over the preserve and see just how beautiful and special that place is. Yeah, and I'm curious too, from um, from your perspective as an as a executive director of a nonprofit, how have you been able to leverage that enthusiasm of a, of a photographer like David? Like, are you using? his uh, photography in your like annual report and in your marketing and are you um like i'm just thinking out loud a little bit here but have you offered like other photographers to like maybe do a guided tour of these places and maybe ask for a suggested donation or like how are you leveraging the power of us eager landscape photographers yeah, so definitely the um, the use of David's images to you know promote the work and and that being you know through our various communications, which range from um, you know annual reports, presentations to the community, and you know different groups when we're trying to engage folks to uh, become supporters or members or participate in our programs. These images um, just you know, tell the story of the landscape. And so definitely through cultivating people's connections to the work. Um, also, we we featured David's work for our fundraising, our annual fundraising dinner. So we had a, a, a little gala set up and then folks could purchase those images. And so it was a fundraiser for the organization. And um, just, you know, any, any opportunity that we have to share about the properties, we're able to, to utilize those images to convey um, what, we're, what we're doing in the landscape. And um, for a, another thing that I really liked about um, the partnership is that David would come up with his own ideas for how to uh, you know, leverage this experience and this opportunity. So he would go out and he'd shoot these little videos when he was out in the landscape. And so people could actually see what he was doing on the properties, what it looked like, not just as a still image, but, you know, as a in experience of the whole property. And, um, and then he would share those 
through, you know, various mediums and including, you know, social media and, and Facebook and people would just love it. Like it, it was because they got to actually have that experience of being out in the landscape with the photographer, you know, in his own. And these were, I mean, I am not a video guy, but these were like quick little iPhone videos, like a minute, two minutes at the most. I'd usually just do a check-in at each property while I was shooting. It's like, oh, today I'm on the McKenzie Preserve and I'm up on top of the table and this is what I'm shooting. And, you know, if you get a chance to experience this property, please come out, you know, and join one of the guided hikes or things like that. And um, I think that worked out well. Yeah, and promoting. And so David was also really, you know, um, in the know about what was going on with the organization. And so if he was out, you know, on a property, he'd say like, oh, here I am on the the, the Tyvee Mountain Preserve and you can come out here too next weekend on Saturday on a guided hike, you know. And, or, you know, you should become a member of Sierra Foothill Conservancy and help protect places like this, you know. And then he would like pan the, the preserve. And, um, and it was, it added just such a great dynamic to, to our efforts and a new way, a new spin, a new voice, a new perspective on, um, on that recruitment of the community's engagement of the work and the, the recruitment for members and participation in our programs. That's awesome. Um, I mean, David, I know, as you know, one of the topics that I've been kind of talking more and more about on the podcast recently is um, trying to encourage photographers to um, do more with their work, like make it so that their their photography has more meaning, whether that be a personal meaning or um, identif- like highlighting some kind of cause or just giving it some form of purpose. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, conservation. It could be like a specific uh, political or geopolitical or a local issue, you know? Um, so I'm loving, I'm loving what you're doing. Um, I, I really want to know, um, why and how did you first get involved in doing this kind of work with the conservation or with the, with the conservancy? Okay. Uh, um, I will say, you know, from the start, it didn't happen overnight. Um, I've had about a 10 year relationship with the Foothill Conservancy. Um, And it started out just very small, actually with just small projects um, where, you know, I actually think first time I was on one of the properties, I was going up to photograph um, some endangered uh, tadpole shrimp. That's right. It was a find your neighbor or get to know your... um, It was meet your neighbors neighbors. project. Um, I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. heard about that, but it was a project started by Clay Bolt. um, And it was a basically in in the field studio project where you're photographing plants and animals, um, similar to what Joel Satori from National Geographic has been doing at the zoos um, with the photo arc, but this was more on location. and so it started that way. And, you know, I did a small project where I was profiling some of the um, invertebrates and smaller animals, um, salamanders and things like that on the property. And um, my interest really started, um, you know, I've heard several of the photographers on your podcast talk about this. It's like, for one, I'm not interested in photographing um, what other photographers are always going to. Um, I live two hours outside of, Yosemite, and you will never see me at Tunnel View <laughs> lined up with all the other photographers because I just can't stand it. And there's photographers that do great work out there. I just, it's just no, not I'm with me. you, buddy. <laughs> I like doing other stuff. And so I started looking around. And I started with the wildlife photography. And, and prior to that, I was a sports photographer and photojournalist. So, you know, I've always had some element of photography going on. Um, but I quickly realized it was kind of funny that um, in the wildlife photography, you know, there's a lot of animals that attract a lot of attention for photographers, especially like in our area, the kit fox um, and other. And so there was, you know, lots of photos of those things. And then I realized it's like, you know, it's the invertebrates that aren't getting the love. <laughs> for, 
And um, they're just not snuggly enough. Uh, right. Um, and so I started reaching out to the biologists who were working with those groups of animals. And, and you know, it, it quickly became a thing where um, I started going to locations where they're endangered invertebrates um, like the tadpole shrimp or the um, tiger salamander um, and photographing those things. And it turned out it happened to be on some of these preserves mm -hmm. with the Foothill Conservancy. And then through that relationship, it kind of blossomed to where, you know, there would be a year or so where we didn't have any contact because I was busy and they were busy. And then the following year, you know, usually around spring, I'd get motivated. It's like, oh, hey, I want to go out because the preserves are really at their peak in the spring, the spring rains. Um, and then it finally kind of culminated early in 2017 when um, Bridget and I were at an event together actually in central Fresno. And we're just kind of chatting. And then I was telling her, it's like, you know, I really want to do some more work for you guys. I just don't know what it is. And she was brainstorming too. And then the next day she emails me and she's all, David, I've got this great idea. She's all, what about an artist in residence? Mm -hmm. I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> it's like, and it's not the traditional model, of course, where you live on the property because the conservancy has what, 13 properties? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But all the properties are about two hours away, depending on which direction I go, um, some a little less. And so I was able kind of as that weekend warrior photographer just mm -hmm. to go out. And there was a five month period where I went out every single weekend. And uh, one, one or two times I took a, a day off work and I also went out because the property was easily or more easily accessed during the week when they had staff to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, like the Hazlitt Basin, for instance. Um, and so then we just started that. And it was important to me as a photographer, you know, not just to do the conservation, but, you know, to have a mutual relationship where um, there was some kind of culmination of the photography. And that turned out being the, the um, fundraising event where my photography was the feature of the event and then people came through and um, it was showcased um, really well. And that turned out uh, as a really nice event. Mm -hmm. And it's had, um, honestly, it's had lasting benefits benefits since then. Um, because just, you know, a little less than a year later, there's another local conservancy that is in the Fresno area that I've worked with, again, on and off through the years. And... Um, I saw the, the executive director of that conservancy, the um, River Parkway Trust, at an art event. And she walks up to me and she's all, she, and she pretty much blankly states, she's all, I want you to do for us what you just did for the Foothill Conservancy. <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> you know, twist my arm. That's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's amazing. Um, Bridget, I'm curious. Uh, well, before I ask my question, I just wanted to kind of throw out there, you know, for those that are listening, they're thinking, you know, maybe they want to do something similar, but uh, maybe maybe uh, it doesn't have to be a conservation issue. It could be a local issue. I, I think I think the point of our conversation here is to illustrate like the power of a of a of a partnership and a collaboration because it can be a win win for the artist and a win win for whatever cause or for whatever um, nonprofit it is you partner with. So Bridget, my question is, um, how have you, like, what, what value do you place on that partnership in terms of, um, being able to kind of highlight the, the, the work that you guys are doing, um, by using some of that, that visual artistry, like how, how would you explain that to like a donor or something like that? <laughs> Trying to speak your language as an executive director. <laughs> um, well, I think that the uh, you know the the power of art is that uh, you know the artist is is rendering whatever the 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 object is of their work. Right there, you're you have the opportunity to see that through their eyes, and 
And I think that's a unique thing that an artist is able to bring to um, the partnership is that you're actually, you know, you're seeing that landscape or you're seeing that subject matter, if it were something, you know, different than conservation um, through the artist's eye. And, you know, as, as an executive director of a nonprofit and as a, you know, leader in advancing a, a mission, I'm always trying to, you know, find a way to convey the impact of our work and the importance of our work through, you know, language and interactions and, you know, connecting people to the land and getting them out onto the properties and, you know, any way that we can um, develop to, to connect people with the work so that they will believe in it and support it. Uh, financially, of course, very critical, but also when they're voting and when they're raising their own children and that, that they will, you know, see this as an important community asset that they want to make sure continues to, to thrive and be present in our communities. And so by bringing an artist in to, to, uh, to take their own lens and perspective and lens, I mean that as like the physical lens, but also as the artist's lens in terms of, you know, the way that they, they render something gives you this whole different perspective to bring to people and to use, um, to, to connect people to the work that you're doing. And, you know, there were properties that David would go out and photograph and he would, he'd capture an image or a moment where sometimes I, like it was something I'd never even seen, you know, and it was something that I would never think of focusing on because I'm looking through my lens. Right. And so it just, it opens up this whole different opportunity for discovery and, um, and, and experiencing the work that we're doing in a different way. Right. And something I would say too, is like, I'm not the first artist to be a partner with the Conservancy because they've had some clean air events Mm -hmm. before, but what, what we kind of fell into as our model with the artists in residence provided me as an artist with the time to spend to really get into the properties mm-hmm. and the land instead of just, you know, once or twice a year. I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to where I'd been on some of the properties many times already, um, but there was a few properties um, or actually several that I'd never visited before, but I I knew about them. And so having that time of, you know, I think I had five months where I could just go back and, you know, maybe I didn't get a shot the first time, but I was able to scout it and then say, okay, I'm going to come back at this time of day. And, and I know from this angle, I mean, you know how it is, Matt, where you, you see a certain location. It's like, you know, this would be really good in this kind of light. Um, but you sometimes you just don't know that from Google Earth, right? You know, and you have to, you have to actually be on there and, and get a good look around. But so having the artisan residency really allowed me the time to um, have a deeper knowledge, you could say, of the properties and mm-hmm. how to best represent them. And that's another thing I'm interested in doing is so like David has been capturing our already conserved lands and. And, and something I'm interested in doing is as we're building the campaign to support a new acquisition, actually bringing David out um, or, you know, it could be another artist too, but to actually help in the development of that campaign. Because if we can capture some like really fantastic images of the properties that we're working to, you know, procure community support or funding support, um, that's another way that the artist could really be leveraged to assist in, you know, the actual active protection of a property. Yeah. So if we've got um, listeners that are starting to get a little bit of mo- motivation to want to take on a project like this, Bridget, um, what advice would you have in terms of how to approach either a nonprofit or um, someone that's in a uh, leadership role or um, an authority, uh, an authority like maybe it could be like a city council or something. How can people best approach uh, folks like you 
to um, solicit what it is they want to do. Because I feel like a lot of photographers, especially landscape photographers, and I'm sure David can attest to this, a lot of a lot of us, not myself, but a lot of us are extreme introverts and they find it very difficult uh, to to um, kind of put themselves out there. So how, how can, like, what's the best approach someone can take? Well, I think that, um, you know, what David shared about how we we've had an extended relationship that like started with just, um, you know, you participating in hikes and classes and, you know, getting to know the organization. And I think that's a good place to start is, you know, if a photographer is is interested in, you know, trying to develop some type of partnership like this, get to know that organization, that land trust, the um, the California Council of Land Trusts has a website that um, that folks can go to and they can find the local land trusts that are in their region on that website. And so if you're particularly interested in land conservation, that's a really good place to start is go on the, the California Council of Land Trust website, find out who your local land trust is, see what type of events that they have or, or opportunities where you might be able to, to start to get to know them and engage in their landscape. And then if you're interested in, you know, doing this type of a partnership, we can share more. David and I can share more um, about, you know, the logistics of how we made it work. And, and that, you know, ranges from, you know, how we were, able to give him access and, um, and, you know, getting out to the properties, giving him information about, you know, when good times are to, you know, capture images on those properties to, you know, how do we get those images out? How do we use the images? How do we set up the relationship? So that's respectful of the artist and their, um, and their, what do we call it? Their property, their intellectual property, their, yeah, intellectual property. And so, you know, that's, I think we have a model that can be duplicated and actually is already being duplicated. That's what um, the San Joaquin River Parkway and Sharon Weaver, you know, they were like, can you just, you know, let us know how you did this and then we can just set up the same relationship. Yeah. Nice. So that's, you know, so it's, it's, it's great to develop a model that, that works and then make it so folks don't have to reinvent the wheel and um, so the, if other photographers are interested in working with Sierra Foothill Conservancy, you know, they can they can connect with me directly and, um, you know, go check out our website, come to our events, become a member um, and and, you know, let us know if you're interested in a partnership. And the same thing with other land trusts, I'm sure, would be, um, you know, interested in, in exploring this with other photographers. Well, and, and, and as with anything local, I mean, you know, as Bridget is saying, I would say, you know, get out on those hikes, get out on the properties, you know, either um, initially as a volunteer or just as a participant so you can get to know the place, mm-hmm. you know, and start developing your vision of what that what that is. Um, yeah. Because oftentimes, you know, like as a, as a director of a nonprofit, if somebody comes to me with a really good idea, then I'm going to look at exploring, developing that with them. So if a person, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't turn down a really good idea. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's not the way it's always going to be for every nonprofit, but, um, you know, if somebody knows their local organization and they're passionate about, you know, doing something with them, I think, you know, take the, take the step to, to make a reach out and make a connection. And it, and just, you know, like you were saying, Matt, um, I think this, you can apply this to other causes and, you know, there may be a social justice issue in someone's community or, you know, it could be poverty, it could be homelessness, it could be, um, you know, any number of things that, a photographer can can really be a powerful um, instrument of change if they 
you know, take that step to reach out to try to to try to use the medium to promote the cause. I mean, if you hung out for a while, let's say you were inner city and you hung out for a while at a homeless shelter. Yeah. You know, every wow. weekend or on your extra time and just, you know, get the, the stories and the faces of those people mm-hmm. to, um, you know, represent, you know, the work, the, the work the shelter is doing, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. the impact that they're having. So, right. I mean, that would be another way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. When I, um, when I lived in Colorado Springs, I was on the board of a, of a nonprofit that did a lot of, um, uh, conservation work on trails and locations, and they did a lot of um, advocacy work. And there was a huge fire in Colorado Springs in 2012 that did just massive damage to this whole um, part of the western side of town. And um, I worked with them to kind of photograph the work they were doing in those areas to like prevent um, flooding and mud mudslides and things like that. Um, so I feel like, and and it was like such a different project for me at the time. Like I had never done anything quite like that before. And I personally, uh, found it to be like super rewarding. I mean, it's not like they paid me or anything like that, but it was, it was just really great to be able to see the work they were doing, but then also be a part of that. Um, so, uh, my, my next question that kind of plays off of that is, um, David. That's great that you did that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, David, I'm curious, like, what when you started out uh, doing this work with with these um, uh, conservancies with with Foothill Conservancy and whatnot, uh, what goals did you have um, in your work with them, and how have you seen those goals evolve over time? You know, I think initially it was kind of it's kind of funny because the um, I'd been on some of the properties, like I mentioned before, so I had a general idea what it looked like. And then when I realized I was representing all the properties, my initial fear that came into my head right away is like, wow, all these properties are in the same general like plane of the foothills. And it's like, how am I going to differentiate (laughs) between the properties? Because a lot of them have very similar looks Mm. with the... But, you know, as everything can be individualized, Um, but, you know, it was a challenge um, to go in and just like, how do I, how do I represent this property and not make it look like another property, Um, but at the same time still tie into that theme. And very early on, I got a few sunrise images and um, I was playing around with the HDR just a little um, and that's not always my approach, but I quickly kind of realized that, you know, for this particular project, um, and and for some reason, I think it's from my photojournalism background when I work for papers, it's like I, I tend to do really well when I'm a project photographer, mm-hmm. like I have a theme that I'm going after. Um, I quickly realized that kind of a, anywhere from, you know, very accurate to a more romanticized image of the properties was going to best represent and connect with the, um, with the viewers. Mm -hmm. And I I think that worked out really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I was, uh, I was kind of more, um, wanting to tap into like what some of your personal motivations were for getting involved. Like, uh, right. Um, you know, cause I, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, like, yeah, like I mentioned before, I think a lot of it was the challenge for me personally. It's like, you can go to a place like Yosemite and find a beautiful image of half dome or whatever, you know, if you're there at the right time, but I was, you know, I was going local and it's like, my challenge is how do I find an image and, and make an image that's going to be representative of this property and yet still be unique. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not the grand landscape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
necessarily. So that was actually one of my biggest motivators is just the challenge of trying to do that for each different location. And there's a few locations where I could do that in several different places on one property and other properties, I had to work a little harder. Um, now I will say I was really fortunate because um, prior to 2017, California has been in five years of drought. And a lot of the properties, you know, being in the foothills were just very dry. And uh, late 2016 and then going in 2017, we just had a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. And and all the properties greened up and I just hit them. I mean, it was the perfect time to do this residency because everything um, looked that much more magical. Um, mm -hmm. Although, you know, as a technical thing real quick is kind of funny. There's a couple of images um, that I sent you that have the the wildflowers uh -huh. yeah. in them. Yeah, if uh, Mackenzie Table looks like one of them and then uh, right. Fine Gold Preserve. Right, and both of those were taken the year before during the drought year. But there was like an in, uh, like a late rain, and there was those huge blossoms yeah. of um, flowers. So I I went out and got those at that time. But last year, when I was doing the main project, like we had so much rain, the grass came up so fast, there was actually no flowers yeah. on any of the properties. Yeah, and that's like the um, the the fluctuation of the the ecosystem, which you're also capturing in right. the images, is you know there's there's it's a very dynamic landscape really, and it really depends on how much rain we get, you know what the cycles of you know temperature and you know so many different variables that create different dynamics on a year to year basis. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'll just say that, I mean, overall it was, you know, the challenge itself. And then because the project was local, it was that much more important to me. Um, and, and I knew I had the time, you know, um, you know, I, I have a family, you know, I, I have, you know, I work during the week and, but my family was very understanding. And there were times where I took my kids out with me to go photograph, um, I have a couple of photography buddies that would come along every once in a while, um, especially if the property was harder to access. I would use a buddy that had a truck. And so we'd go out and he'd make his pictures. I'd make mine. And um, so that was kind of my um, my driver there as far as the challenge and just because it was a local project and I knew it was important for the local community. Well, and I mean, there's certain photographers that are going to cringe when, <laughs> about what I'm going to say, but you know all too well based on the work you're doing here that going to a location like this that isn't filled with icons and and super obvious compositions that um it's incredibly challenging to go to a new place that you've never been to um and and connect with that place and and then take photographs that make people want to um, either donate money to a nonprofit or go to that place and also take photographs. It's, it is a completely different challenge that's dependent upon, um, your connection with that place, but also, um, your ability to see what that place has to give you from an artistic perspective. So I super appreciate, uh, what you're saying about it being a challenge because, I mean, I take a you you sent David sent me a um, a collection of images from Flickr that I'll I'll put in the the liner notes um, from some of the places he's done for you guys um, at the Sierra Foothill Conservancy and and it's a it's a really cool mixture of photos um, none of which anyone would recognize <laughs> which is really cool right. I, I love that and there's one well, there's one property in particular the Mackenzie Preserve. And it's kind of the showcase property. It's one of the larger ones. And it's the one where the most hikes are led and people have access to and things like that. Um, so even going into that property, and I've been there several times before, it's like, okay, I need to get away from my obvious shot here. <laughs> um, because 
you know, that's what people are used to. It's like, can I find something more intimate on this property that people didn't know was, was here or um, things like that. And, and as you can see in the collection, like sometimes the property did not speak to me in color. So, you know, I would shoot it and it's like, you know what, this is really more of a black and white to me. Mm -hmm. Um, That happened with the Hazlitt Basin and then the Stockton Creek Preserve. It's like, it just, it seemed more impactful as a black and white. And so I liked, and I appreciate that um, Bridget was giving me the freedom as an artist to say, you know, oh no, we want, you know, full color of everything. And, um, you know, she wasn't doing that. She's just like, whatever your vision is, we're going to go with. Um, And obviously I produced lots of secondary images that um, I also passed along to the Foothill Conservancy that, you know, they're using as background or things that like that for the site, but weren't the, you know, the prime shot, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated David's process of um, finding the unique ways to capture each of the landscapes. And it's something that we actually ran into when we were working with the plein air artists, we had a, a group of 24 painters um, some local and then some from uh, the, the greater Western region. And they had a difficult time painting the landscape because it's not these big monolithic <laughs> sort of, you know, iconic or seascapes and cliffs and the ocean spray. And, you know, just like, and like David's saying, those are the more obvious things to capture, right? And mm-hmm. so you have to dig deeper and spend more time and engage more deeply in order to to find that special image to capture for these landscapes that are different and they're they're unexplored. And I think that's one of the things that's really exciting about this type of a project is that there's not 30,000 people who have that same image and there's not anywhere near that number of people who have even been able or had access to these landscapes to, um, you know, capture images in them. You know, and and that's actually very rewarding as a photographer to know that, you know, I'm, I can go in and have some place that I can work hard and find an image, but it's also somewhat unique, you know, you know, like Bridget said, 30,000 people have not been there. And a lot of the properties are kind of closed access at certain times. So, you know, to get that special permission to get all access and go in at sunrise or sunset and, you know, be able to make those images was um, very special to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a gift for you as a photographer. I mean, I'm definitely very jealous and what an amazing opportunity to leverage the skills of a, of an artist for the nonprofit. <laughs> it's a win-win. Yeah. Man. It is. Yeah. So I have one more question uh, for you, Bridget. Um, and I'm cheating a little bit because uh, this is actually David's question. So if you don't like it, you can punch him in the shoulder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> So how do you see the role of art and conservation um, interacting? Like, what does that intersection look like? Well, I think that, um, that it can look like a lot of things and, and that there's a lot of opportunity to be explored at that intersection. Um, and I think that it... It, it takes willing participation on both the, uh, the behalf of you know, the, the nonprofit and the organization, as well as the artist to figure out um, what that sweet spot is and where that intersection is. And, you know, certainly like giving the, the creative liberty to the artist is I think really important. And, you know, a lot of times as executive directors or, you know, CEOs, there's, you know, we have a, we have a desire to control things <laughs> and to say like, this is the product that I want to come from this endeavor. But if you allow the space for that artist to explore, um, you know, the medium of your, of the, the landscape, 
they will come up with things that you could have never thought of. And so I think, you know, part of the intersection is, is allowing the creative space for the artist to, um, to take their own process and to trust that, um, that, that they will, you know, do it well, do it justice and bring things to it that you could not define as, um, you know, as the, the leader of the nonprofit or, you know, the, the partner to that artist. And, and to know that, you know, from that there, there will be fruits that you couldn't have expected. Um, and then, you know, jumping back to something we were starting to explore earlier, it's these images become a conduit and an opportunity, a window into the work that we're doing, into the uniqueness of the backyard of, of people in their communities. And, you know, we've all seen those iconic images of, you know, a million photographers of these various landscapes that are that are well known to us, like the iconic Yosemite images, but we have these really special, unique things in our own backyards that most people have no idea about. You know, there are species that are completely endemic, only exist in this region of the state or even in a particular um, watershed uh, and, and, and that's something that photographers can help illuminate for their communities, just how special your own backyard is, just how special, you know, the Highway 41 corridor is or the Highway um, 140 corridor is that people are driving through day in, day out, maybe commuting to work. And you have no idea that this landscape holds these, you know, completely unique vernal pools or these ancient oaks that are hundreds of years old and support a whole host of um, a natural system and, and, and plant and animal communities. So I think that, um, you know, another aspect of that intersection is playing that role of discovery and facilitating that process of discovery for our own local communities of just how special the places are that surround us. And I would add that um, one of the images in particular that was very popular, that was unique to me, was um, Tyvee Mountain. Um, I don't know if you saw that one in the collection. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it was funny because that that location is like 30 minutes from my house. <laughs> and I'd never been there. Yeah. And I went with two volunteers to hike up and it's a two and a half hour hike to where that <laughs> image is. And you cross some ranch land and we got up, as we're going up there, we actually approached by a rancher because I was carrying my tripod in a case and he thought I was hunting on the property. <laughs> um, but, you know, I got up there and the valley, it was overlooking the central valley and it was kind of smoggy. And first I was like, wow, I don't know how I'm gonna get an image, but um, I, I used the sunset and then the framing and um, it, a lot of people have commented to me that it's very J.R. Tokenish Absolutely. of a type of image. And that's, and it's just, again, that romanticized kind of version. And it just really um, attracted a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, uh, it's funny because um the trees in that in that photograph remind me a lot of the iconic trees that are in the Dalles uh, Mountain Ranch near um, the Dalles in Oregon and Washington, which is like one of the most popular uh, wildflower destinations in the Pacific Northwest in the spring. And the the trees that you photographed are very very similar to that. So it's like <laughs> I feel like if that place was two hours from my house, I would go there all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's that image in, uh, in particular was just, uh, such a special moment that, mm -hmm. that David captured in this, that no one else had done before. Like we'd never seen an image like that from the Tybee mountain preserve. And so again, it's like this idea that, that you're having the opportunity to 
explore these unexplored landscapes and these unexplored themes and um, projects. It's pretty, it's a, it's a special sort of new frontier. Absolutely. Well, so a um, couple more questions for you guys. So, and you can kind of take turns at this one. So um, this one should be pretty easy based on kind of where you guys are at as a partnership, but uh, you know, based on the name of the podcast, F stop, collaborate and listen, what advice would you have for other landscape photographers out there? Um, well, <laughs> David is gesturing to me. Uh, so I guess <laughs> I would say that, um, that, you know, use your, your creative eye and intent to, um, you know, find a project that, that speaks to you for, you know, your own artistic endeavors, but also to serve a mission or, you know, something that benefits your community. And, uh, and I, I just encourage photographers to explore that and think of themselves as, um, as a, as a conduit to support a mission that they believe in, whether that's land conservation with their local land trust or, um, you know, like we discussed it, maybe a, a homelessness issue, it may be a political issue, but that they can be a very powerful um, tool for change as well. And, and I would say, I mean, this is a theme that I still think is underexplored, but I know you've brought up several times and that's, you know, shoot local. Like I am not against traveling and going out to grand landscapes and photographing, um, you know, even this summer I was in Wyoming and Montana and Eastern Nevada traveling around. But, you know, some of my passion comes from shooting local and getting the local stuff because um, in the end too, I mean, your audience, you know, unless you are, you know, a huge, very well-known photographer, many of which you've interviewed is like, you know, you just don't have the reach um, to get out there. So by shooting local, that is your audience. Those are the people who are going to want to buy your, your images, want to see your images, who are going to relate to your images because it's places that they live near, they've been on, that they relate to. So um, I think that's important to, to definitely do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, I mean, just listening to you guys, you guys talk, it's kind of motivating me to want to reach out to some people here locally to try to see if there's a project that I can help with. Because um, the other thing about a, a local project that we haven't really talked about um, is that it can help inspire you and help um, challenge you as a photographer. And, um, and I think that's important because it's not all about Instagram likes. It's not all about, um, you know, trying to get notoriety. Sometimes it's about just engaging in the craft itself and seeing what you can do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, cool. Um, so David and, um, I get Bridget, you can chime in if you want, but, uh, who would you love to hear on the podcast? Well, I've been giving this a lot of thought and especially <laughs> listening to your other guests and things like that, but kind of along the themes that we've been talking about with the conservation photography, there's a few conservation photographers that I follow that I really enjoy the work of, and I thought I would mention those. Um, and um, have you heard of the International League of Conservation Photographers? I have, and um, uh, you said his name earlier. He's the former president of them. Oh, uh, yeah, Clay, Clay Bolt. Yeah, I reached out to him, and we may do a podcast sometime in the future. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. two I would mention who are, who are um, really powerful photographers and women would be uh, Morgan Heim. And then and I'm hoping I'm going to pronounce this right, but Karen, I'm going to say Angner, A-I-G-N-E-R. Um, and it's kind of funny. I have a... Um, kind of a distant connection to Karen. She, I, my very first kind of photography conference I attended was the National um, 
Nature Photographers Association. Um, and Karen was one of my portfolio reviewers. And uh, she actually tore, you know, really tore apart my portfolio. <laughs> but, but it was great because it, it helped me focus more on what I was doing and, you know, get a little, um, get a little more, you know, in tune with what I wanted to represent and storytell. Um, and then finally, I'd mention just off the offshoot because I know that, um, you know, you're always looking for different kind of guests, but I have a kind of a little, a mini passion project as I've been doing these um, conservation work. And that's been shooting with infrared. Um, mm. I had one of my cameras converted to infrared and that's all it shoots with. And so uh, DeWitt Jones is a, I think he's former National Geographic photographer but he's been doing a lot of infrared landscape stuff. And I thought that might be really interesting to explore. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, to, because it's a whole different process when you're shooting in the infrared. Um, yeah, and it's definitely something that has not been talked about at all on the podcast. So I think that's a, that's an interesting uh, in, uh, suggestion for sure. <laughs> well, cool. Um, wow. Thank you guys so much. It's already been an hour i can't even believe how that how time flies when you're talking about stuff that you're passionate about so uh thank you guys both uh for taking the time out of your busy schedules i know uh bridget you probably want to be at home but uh such is the life of an executive director uh thank you so much for having us and um, and, and folks can see more about our project on um, Sierra Foothill's website, so sierrafoothill.org. And so if people want to see David's images that, that he took of, of our properties, they can, they can see a profile of each of the properties with one of his images on the website. And then, um, and also I'll encourage everyone to become a member, which you can also do on the SFC website. Awesome. And, uh, I'm sure that uh, probably no matter where you live in the country and possibly the world, there's probably a similar organization that, that people could, could get involved with, I assume. Yeah, and there's two resources for people if they want to explore working with a land trust. Um, they, can, uh, they can go to the California Council of Land Trust website, like I uh, suggested earlier, um, or they can go to the Land Trust Alliance if they're outside of California. And the Land Trust Alliance is, uh, is the, the national organizing body for, for land trusts. And so if you're in a different state, you'll be able to find information there. David, thanks. Um, thank you so much for suggesting uh, this idea. I really appreciate it. And um, also thanks for, for being a supporter of the podcast on Patreon. I really appreciate that as well. Oh yeah. And, and I, I'm sorry I'm late to the party on that because I have been listening to you, I think from episode three. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I found you and Nick page and uh, photog adventures guys all around the same time. And um, depending on what's going on, like I have a limited budget with my photography. My wife controls it pretty well. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> So it's kind of funny because I only have so much money I can give. So I have about $15 I give monthly. And depending on who's doing what, I've been shifting it around between the three of you. Um, <laughs> well, right on, dude. I appreciate that. And I totally appreciate what you said about uh, the wife controlling the money because uh, that's pretty much how it works in my house too. Well, I was giving Nick Page $15 a month and then recently he had a he put out, you know, some more Patreon stuff. And he's like, you know, I'm probably charging too much for this membership because, you know, I'm really not putting out contact. So I'll still give you the premium for just $10. I was all great. I can move $5 to Matt Payne. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, well, Nick's, and Nick's a great guy too. And he actually just put out, um, for those that are listening, he put out a really great episode recently about um, killing killing what we love and not sharing photo locations, which I really, I really appreciated. So if Nick, if you're listening, thanks for doing that. <laughs> and well, if people want to find me, um, 
I'm at David Hunter Photo on uh, Facebook, and then uh, it's my it's my webpage, but it's you know Flickr site just because busy guy. I don't have time to have my own webpage. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at um, Photo Hunter. That's P H O T O H N T R. Um, and I've had some. Um, this partnership I've had with Bridget has actually led to several more residencies, including national parks. So I've been um, doing some of that work this past summer and putting that up there. So very cool. Cool. Well, thank you guys both, and um, appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. Thank you for having us. Oh, thanks to David and Bridget for taking the time to visit with us on the podcast today. Uh, to find out more about them, you can uh, check out the liner notes on my blog at mattpainphotography.com. And uh, loving all the uh, awesome reviews on iTunes. It's really helping people discover the show. I love seeing the feedback, and it uh, I do read them, and it helps me improve the show. So thank you for submitting those. I appreciate it. Uh, lastly, um, thanks to everyone who is supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, I can't do this podcast without your support, so thank you so much. actually just upgraded some, uh, some of my equipment here to help with the podcast, so hopefully you'll notice a difference soon. Um, for a dollar a month, uh, you can help pay for those production costs, and for $5 a month and more, you gain access to awesome bonus episodes. So like this week, we're gonna, we talked about artists and residency programs, which I think uh, could be very interesting for some of you. Uh, thanks to our newest patrons, Chris Rice and Irene uh, Re- Retti. Uh, hopefully I didn't mess your name up. I apologize. Uh, thanks for your support. Appreciate it, everyone. Thanks for listening.